The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning to all of you, my listeners in the United States and around the world. This is Good Morning New York, and I am your host, Vince Rocco. We are coming to you live, as always, from Blastoff Productions here in New York City. So we have many Republican and donors in Washington and around the nation feeling strongly that Donald Trump's increasingly likely nomination would be catastrophic, dooming the party in November, and just as many have insisted it is not too late for them to stop Mr. Trump. In public, there were calls for the party to unite behind a single candidate. In dozens of interviews, elected officials, political strategists, and donors described a frantic last-ditch campaign to block Donald Trump and the agonizing reasons that many of them have become convinced it will fail behind the scenes, a desperate mission to save the party stalled at every turn, and all efforts to unite behind one candidate, not Trump, failed spectacularly. Donald Trump seems to be here to stay. Today, I'm going to talk to two Republican businessmen here in New York City that believe a Trump presidency will be great for the country and especially good for New York real estate. Jason Meister, a senior director of investment sales in uh, in the group of investment sales at Ackman Ziff, an 80-year-old privately held real estate capital boutique market prior to commercial investment sales in Manhattan. Jason was a successful real estate investor and developer on Nantucket in Massachusetts, and as such, brings a practical approach to all real estate transactions. He frequently appears on national television and radio broadcasts, including various interview shows on the Fox Business Network. Stephen Meister is the toughest and most experienced litigator in the country. He has represented the likes of Donald Trump and Harry Macklow, among many others. During his 30 years of experience, Stephen has acted as lead trial attorney on a number of hard-fought, high-stakes federal and uh, state court actions. He, in his own right, is a successful real estate investor, developer, businessman, and accomplished multi-engine and an accomplished multi-engine instrument-rated pilot. I need to know a little bit more about that someday. He frequently writes columns for the New York Post and the Washington Examiner on television. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Vince. Thanks for having us. Good morning, Vince. All right, so let's get right to it. Uh, there's been so much controversy. There's been so much talk. This is a political season that's been unlike many others. Jason and I were just chatting about this a little while ago. It's interesting from a lot of viewpoints and perspectives, but I want to get right to uh, late-breaking news as of last night. Mayor Michael Bloomberg says, the risk I will not take. He has decided not to run on the third-party independent ticket because he is concerned that a third-party candidate will only enhance chances, uh, Trump's chances of winning. He says extremism is on the march, and unless we stop it, our problems at home and abroad will grow even worse. What do you say to that? Uh, Vince, Stephen here. Uh, well, look, I, I think, interestingly, this claim of extremism is, 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 is one, incorrect, and B, at least on, on the Trump side. 
And B, it really goes to the heart of why the Republican establishment has been so fervently against Trump. Um, uh, you know, Trump's uh, uh, views, if, if you just really break them down and kind of distance yourself from the rhetoric, um, are not uh, extreme views. Uh, he, uh, first and foremost, is, is, is in favor of doing smart trade deals and isn't sort of fetishizing free trade where, where all the other countries that we're engaged in treaty negotiations with are not giving free trade a real chance. That's one example. Um, uh, you know, having a, a control at your borders uh, is it, not an extreme position. Indeed, not having control at your borders is an extreme position. So I think what, what Bloomberg, and there are many other examples, and, but I, I don't want to take up too much time, I think the kernel of the point is that Bloomberg is really, although he has run and was technically a Republican mayor in New York City, his, his views are really far more uh, consonant with the liberal side of the equation. And he realizes that, um, first of all, it looks like Hillary is certainly going to be the Democratic nominee. So therefore, if he did run as an independent, all he would do is pull votes away from Hillary uh, and ensure a a Trump uh, uh, (coughs) presidency. And he obviously doesn't want that to happen. So, uh, you know, he he says extremism, but... uh, I don't think Trump has really is is advancing an extreme view. Let's talk about the concept of Super Tuesday, because quite frankly, you know, up until Tuesday, Trump was always the front runner since he really jumped into the race last summer. But Super Tuesday really kind of propelled him over the top. You know, uh, that's a a concept that originated in 1988 for two main reasons. The consolidation of voters and organizations of campaigns. Southern Democrats wanted to highlight the electoral significance of their region by grouping states on a single day of voting. The arrangement also helps make the party primaries less parochial by forcing candidates to campaign nationwide. So 661 Republican delegates were allocated based on Super Tuesday and 865 for the Democrats. Uh, Hillary uh, racked up uh, 1,034 that day, and she needed uh, she needs 283 for the nomination. Republican Donald Trump had, uh, as of that Tuesday, 316. He needs 1237. He's a, a billionaire businessman who made his fortune in New York City developing real estate before turning to reality television. He promises to use his deal-making prowess to enrich America. He has vowed to build a wall along the southern border, slash taxes, and crush ISIS. He continues his chant to make America great again. How, I mean, it's a, it's a whole lot here, but how, you know, if we break this down, is he in a position to do just that? Can he do just that? Um, well, look, uh, I will tell you, I know, uh, I know Donald Trump. He is a consummate negotiator, uh, Vince. And uh, I, I think what has been uh, lacking in the main in Washington for decades is real business experience. And this man can bring those skills that have made him the success he is 
in licensing, in reality TV, in construction in New York City, which is a, certainly a rough-and-tumble business. Uh, and he can bring that to trade negotiations and uh, to other policy measures that will, I think, unleash our economy. Uh, and and uh, so I do think uh, Trump can uh, make America great again in, in terms of, of the economy. And, uh, you know, that's one of his uh, great strong points. He's not uh, tied together with that. He's not beholden to any special interest because he's financing his own campaign. And none of the other career politicians, especially not Hillary Clinton, uh, who's really uh, a puppet of Wall Street at this point, uh, can, can make that claim. Uh, so uh, that, that's certainly, I think, part of the answer. As you said, there was a lot there. Uh, but I think that's a large part of the answer. I'm going to add on to that, Stephen. Uh, you know, I think you can just look at at his campaign and the success he's had from his announcement until now to see what a, what kind of man he is and what he's made of. He's getting relentless attacks from all sides of the aisle, Republicans, Democrats, probably harder hit from establishment Republicans in some respects than even Hillary or or the Democrats. Yet he has r- risen. Uh, he's bringing in all. He's bringing in a diverse group of voters that we've never seen before in the Republican Party. We are seeing record numbers of African American voters. We're seeing Latinos. We're seeing Muslims. We're seeing we're seeing so many people that we haven't seen coming out and voting in some of these states. And so, you know, in some respects, he's not only going to make the country great again. I think he's going to make the Republican Party great again. And I think that. Unfortunately, the establishment is kicking and screaming, and they're going to kick and scream all the way until the nomination. But you know, I think that that's you can look at his campaign and you can see you know what a man does under attack and what what he'll do in the White House. Let's talk a little bit about the establishment and why they're kicking and screaming and why they have taken the position that they have from the very beginning. What you know, what is it that they're actually looking for? Why is it that Mr. Trump is not you know their ideal candidate? When clearly he's been front runner since uh, you know when when did he announce last June or July? June or July, right? So June, he's been in this march, right. so to speak, for a long time. What is the establishment missing so, here, or what so, are they looking for? So I think, know, it com- it, 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 I think that's a fascinating question, and it's a very complex question. I, I or or I shouldn't say that. I, the answer it's a simple question. The answer right. is a complex right. answer. The Republican Party has changed um, a lot, you know, since the days of, uh, uh, you know, sort of the William F. Buckley, you know, conservatism of, of let's call it the 60s. Now, uh, let, let's, let's think about it. Uh, George Bush, uh, too, uh, was uh, exporting democracy uh, to the Middle <laughs> East as a... Uh, reaction and defense mechanism in response to 9-11. When was the concept, when did the concept of exporting democracy become a Republican principle? Um, The Citizens United decision that uh, so many Democrats are up in arms about, it struck down the, uh, and 
the, the McCain-Feingold campaign law, or, or parts of it. So, so that's Senator McCain. So what I am saying to you, and, and you know, this subject requires much more in-depth treatment, is that the, the Republican platform has become kind of a set of, of norms that have just evolved, uh, positions that have evolved. And anyone who doesn't adopt them is, is attacked by, by the, uh, the establishment. So when, for example, uh, Donald Trump uh, attacked Jeb Bush, and specifically with regard to his brother, and that 9-11 happened during his brother's tenure, and that, uh, and that the Iraq war was a huge mistake, that's it. There's just no way you can say those words and be supported, at least pre-nomination, by the Republican establishment. Now, I think, I think the Republican establishment is crazy for attacking Trump on that. I think the Iraq war was a mistake, and I, 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 I think we have to be protecting our natural interests aggressively, but that doesn't mean we're uh, uh, responsible to uh, make sure democracy is uh, adopted worldwide. And uh, it looks like there weren't weapons of mass destruction there. So what's wrong with, uh, with looking back at that decision? All that said, I want to quickly get to the point that once Trump wins the nomination, as it seems will certainly be the case, there's no question they're going to make a 180, that is to say, the Republican establishment, and they're going to throw their support behind him because they're, as much as they hate the things he may have said that are against this platform, they hate Hillary Clinton way more. Right. So there you go. Yeah, well, that was a good answer for <laughs> we thought it was going to be a complex, uh, well said. Uh, but I do have a, a question. We're going to have to go to break, though, when we come back. I'm really trying to get at this whole establishment issue, not only on the Republican side, but on the Democratic side. I think in our culture today, in America, in our voting process, I think, you know, something is amiss. Something is is going on. I'm, I'm, I don't know if everyone is looking for dramatic change, but let's go to break. We will come back right after a few messages. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety channel. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody. We are back with Stephen uh, Meister and Jason Meister, and we are talking about Donald Trump and the Republican Party uh, and the latest issues uh, with all of this. And we left uh, our last segment talking about the establishment, and my question really is both Republican and Democrat. There seems to be something missing out there in America in the voting process or just in our culture. I think people on both sides of the aisle are – Disgusted or, or upset with the uh, the country and, and and the direction that we're going in or where they want us to go, and I think you know the establishment is pretty much suffering for that. Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, goes in and out of support from her her party, and as we just discussed, Donald Trump does too. So, what do you think the real issues are here with um, the establishment on both sides of the aisle? Well, it's clear, Vince, that you've had uh, t- complete gridlock. And I think you're hitting it on the head. I mean, if you look at what Sanders has done, the, the amount of success that he's even been able to get with with his ideologies is incredible. Um, so you're seeing a it's really not an election. it's 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 a movement. it's a it's a revolution of the current political uh, order. And I think people are sick and tired of the status quo. they uh, they want to see things get done. And career politicians, uh, especially dynastic ones like Hillary, uh, they don't see things getting done from those politicians. And a a successful businessman, um, you know, presents an opportunity to send a message to Washington D.C. that they're ready for change. And it's it's so it's actually very interesting because Barack Obama ran on change, exactly. But he really wasn't change, and we now know eight years later that that there wasn't change and Trump presents change. He's, he's, he's presented change through his entire campaign. Um, and I think that there's a threat to the entire establishment that a, a businessman is going to come in and, and shake things up. And that's what I think the American people want. And that's what you're hearing. And that's what you're seeing in the voting. Is there concern though, that that may shift again? Because as you mentioned earlier, you know, Bernie Sanders came and, and started running on that same kind of progressive platform of change. We need to, you know, get rid of the current government. And now all of a sudden Hillary, who does represent the establishment is kind of building, you know, her support back up again, gaining ground on him. So is it possible that that could happen to to Donald Trump with either Cruz or with Rubio or whomever uh, on the other side of that establishment fence? Let, let me jump in on this if I could. It's Stephen. Sure. I, I, I uh, think that uh, something uh, a little different is happening on the Republican side. I think that uh, for a long time, uh, Republican voters have not had, uh, on a grassroots level, anyone uh, that they really agreed with. Yes, they would have. You know, there were many Republican voters, uh, yours truly included, who would vote for just about anyone other than whoever the Democrat was, especially an uber left-leaning, you know, Hillary or Obama, but. Uh, uh, what's happening on the Trump side, I think, on the Republican side, is Donald Trump, for the first time, 
in decades is saying things that your average workaday Republican is saying around his dinner table, uh, you know, like uh, we are at war with, with radical Islam, with Islamic extremism. Uh, not afraid to say uh, all the different things that come under the political correct, that are prevented by the political correctness doctrine, that you, uh, a country's entitled to police its borders and should be policing its borders, that the influx of millions of illegal immigrants is putting a tr- tremendous strain on the middle class, that we shouldn't be having our lunch eaten by various foreign powers, notably China, uh, and losing our jobs uh, 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 in stupid uh, trade agreements. So what happens is these things are finally being said. It is a breath of fresh air on the Republican side. And you have this enormous grassroots movement, as, as Jason pointed out, and the voter turnout is up, which is a very big thing in the general election. And so I don't think... I do not, I for one do not think that uh, uh, Trump is at risk on that score. I think on the Democratic side, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Sanders is really out of step with, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, remotely possible for him to win a general election. He is a admitted socialist. Um, and, um, and, and so, I, I, you know, I think uh, Hillary's able to consolidate and certainly will get the nomination. I do not see Trump, uh, you know, being unseated uh, because uh, people are disenchanted. I, I see that uh, more hurting uh, certainly Rubio uh, and to a lesser extent Cruz. And Vince, I just want to quickly add, I think Stephen's hitting something really important. It's it's something that Trump has tapped into, this political correctness, which has become one of the worst disease diseases of the modern era. It's killing us. It's killing us from the immigration standpoint. It's killing us from ISIS. And finally, we have a guy that's that's got a backbone that says – what, what's on his mind and what's on the American people's mind. And he has no fear. He's not worried about being labeled, you know, what I would call a racist or a, a bigot. He's not worried about that. He's more worried about people running into our country across the border illegally, taking our jobs, doing things like that. He's more worried about ISIS coming in and blowing something up in, in the middle of Grand Central Station. He's more worried about that than he's worried about the left calling him names or even the right calling him names. So I think that that's what you have. You have this, he's tapped at this geyser of, of political correctness. And, you know, he's really run a general election from day one. He's been running, he's at, he hasn't really been running that's against true. any of the Republicans. He's been running against Obama. He's been running against his record. He's been running against the eight years we've just had. He's been running a general election and you've, you've really not had any other candidate on the Republican side, running a general election the way that Trump from day one on his announcement. So is it fair to say, though, then, so that, that this extremism march, as as, as Bloomberg, Bloomberg mentioned yesterday, <clears throat> is it safe to say or fair to say for Mr. Trump that it's more personality than it is anything else? So as Stephen said a little while ago, a lot of us sit around our dinner tables at night and we think about these things, we talk about these things in the privacy of our own home, but right. he has the, the cojones to get out there in front of everybody, millions of people around the world, and say exactly 
what he wants to say for his particular reasons. There's no question, has, Vince. Sorry, there's no the I was just going to quickly say there's there's no question. He has the cojones. He's also a bombastic guy. He's not sometimes as articulate as I would love him to be, but that's okay. You know, the message is getting across and he's he's very good at playing the media. He he's able to to say something in a very bold way, get the attention on him, and then he delivers his message and and he's been very effective at doing so. Stephen, go ahead. Sorry about that. No, he, he, look, Trump has sort of a New York edge to him. There's no question. He grew up in, in New York. He, he cut his teeth, uh, <clears throat> uh, building, uh, um, uh, you know, building, for example, the, the, the Hyatt Hotel on 42nd and Lex and, and, and other, you know, as I said before, rough and tumble, uh, development projects in, uh, in, in Midtown Manhattan, dealing with some of the toughest unions in the business, he has an edge to him, and he is certainly far from a policy wonk. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, that's the kind of thing that uh, I, I, I think, uh, to some degree, uh, Bloomberg is reacting to. And, you know, along those lines, you hear a lot of his critics on both sides of the aisle say, uh, is is Mr. Trump presidential? And I, I I can't stand that question because I think the answer is you know what I urge you to care a lot less about that. We we it doesn't matter whether you think the candidate is presidential. What matters is what kind of job is he going to do. Are we going to get better jobs? Are we going to have and more jobs? Are we going to have greater national security? That's what matters. Okay? So I, for one, I don't care if he's regarded as uncivil or flamboyant or unpresidential. What I care about is curbing, stopping illegal immigration growing our economy at 5 to 7% again, because we're going to go broke if we don't. And, 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 and you know, uh, uh, getting uh, good trade agreements done um, and protecting our national interests. That's what I care about. All right, let's talk about a couple of things here. So Trump has pledged to cut and simplify taxes. Individuals making less than $25,000 per year, for example, and married uh, filers earning less than 50000 per year would not pay income tax. There would be three other brackets down from seven currently with a top marginal income tax rate of 25% and a top rate for long-term capital gains and dividends of 20%. How does this help build the economy or continue to build the economy? Uh, let me jump in on this, Stephen. Look, Vince, I, I'm a law, I, I run a law firm in New York City, a medium-sized firm, about 100 people work at the law firm. Um, I make a nice living. I pay a staggering amount of taxes. Okay. But, uh, then there are people, uh, uh, you know, at, at, at Goldman Sachs and, and hedge funds that are paying, uh, a, a, a tiny fraction of the percentage that I pay because their income is categorized differently. Um, this is something that Trump has attacked. He's saying, I don't care whether, you know, you're Stephen Meister practicing law 
or your, you know, XYZ uh, uh, president of Goldman Sachs or running a hedge fund, this is the bracket you're going to pay. And so by getting a, a, a uh, higher rate from some of these very wealthy people, uh, he's able to lower it across the board. And I think, look, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that, obviously. He's got a comprehensive tax proposal. But uh, you need to have uh, this upper end participating. And so there you go. That's something that Republicans, you don't normally hear them saying, right? And right. Uh, so that ties into the point that we made earlier. It, it, exactly, but you know, I'm wondering, you know, is is this is this an easy thing for him to do? So when he becomes the president, you know, can he get this past the Congress uh, vote? Uh, you know, easier than than not. These these are the things I think that most people worry about. You can say a lot of things, and listen, we've seen with many presidential candidates through the years on both sides of the aisle. Uh, always, you know, campaign rhetoric is campaign rhetoric. How real though? Is this proposed so, tax so plan? I'm going to just touch on that real quick, and then Stephen, you can jump in. I think on all his policies, whether it be taxes or immigration, or or any one of his policies, I think you have to understand that he he's running for president of the United States, and he has no, uh, he's not taking a single red cent from anyone. Okay, and unlike and every other politician that's running in this election, he is not owned by anyone. And so when he actually does get into office, he doesn't owe any favors. And that's what, what we said earlier, but I think it's really important to understand that these politicians, they, they run and they are lobbyists, they are puppets of lobbyists. And when, when a man is running and he's running on his own back and his own money, he doesn't owe any favors to anyone. So I think that there is an element of a, a, a complete difference from, from that perspective of him being able to be effective when he gets into office. All right, guys, we have to go to break. Stephen, hold the thought for a second. We have to go to break. We're coming back in a few. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. 
All right, everybody, we are back with uh, Stephen Meister and Jason Meister. On the heels of the last question regarding taxes, Trump also has pledged to get rid of the $19 trillion deficit by boosting jobs and cutting governmental waste, but he has not released a formal policy paper on how he would get this done. Is there any particular reason why this hasn't been released yet or it hasn't been documented yet? I mean, his ideas and what he says are on on target and on the money, but do we have policy paper on this yet? Uh, Let me jump in here if I could, Stephen. Um, First of all, I I will tell you, he hasn't released a formal paper, at least to my knowledge, on on this one aspect. But uh, he has made a couple of of statements that I think are uh, uh, telling on this point. For example, he has uh, uh, stated that he would cut, uh, not cut, sorry, he would eliminate entirely I believe he said this, Department of Education. Now, Correct. you know, when I was a kid, Vince, uh, there was no Department of Education. Uh, but um, somehow I got educated a- in the public school systems of this country. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, my parents couldn't afford to send me to private school. And uh, there was no Department of Education. And yet I got educated, did well in school, went to college, went to law school, and here I am talking to you, no problem. So uh, uh, there's an example. I think he's got the cojones, as you pointed out, to mm-hmm. make these ma- you know, real radical cuts that uh, establishment Republicans wouldn't dream of. I mean, uh, uh, George didn't George Bush... Uh, has no child left behind. So he was advancing this Department of Education. Now, that's just one example. I think the answer to your question is think about how complicated that subject is. What departments do you cut? What departments do you eliminate altogether? Um, That's something that really he's going to need uh, uh, professional help uh, with people that are familiar with the government bureaucracy uh, to to put together a coaching plan on. But I think, in general, he is willing to... Uh, uh, he's not a shy guy. I, I've dealt with him, and if he believes a department is a waste, he's going to say, and that department. So that's, that's, that's one part of, of the answer. And going back to something you said just before the break about... Uh, about how do you get these things done without working with Congress? The answer is you can't get them done without working with Congress. And that's something every candidate suffers from, right? Whoever wins this election is going to have to work with Congress. I think that if you look, and this goes to a point Jason made uh, earlier, Trump has had, had enormous success overcoming enormous resistance uh, and adversarialness in rallying people behind him. He is, at, he is consummate at, at making deals. And I think uh, that's not a guarantee, but I think he's better equipped to make those deals in Congress to get these things done than any other candidate on either side of the aisle. So, Stephen, let me ask you something, Stephen, because you you've worked with him as his attorney, and you, and you probably know him better than than most. 
He says, he being Trump, that he is a unifier and he would love to see the Republican Party and everyone get together and unify. He, he says, and I quote, when we unify, there is nobody who is going to beat us. So as the master negotiator, you know, as the master tradesman, you know, and again, I go back to the, the, the Congress uh, comment. So will he need to and how will he unify the Congress to work around him and and what he wants to to get done, you know, it, it, not to not to, um, but what Jason said earlier, his his uh, personality is more on the bombastic side. So you can say what you think, but you know there are certain ways to be di- you know diplomatic about it. How can he get a Congress who probably isn't going to be so unified up front to work with him and to get all of these issues that he talks about passed or you know in motion? I think he 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 is going to. Uh, at the end of the day, have to be persuasive on the merits. So what's going to happen is, you know, uh, uh, Barack Obama was prepared to spend us into oblivion. It never mattered to him one whit, and it certainly won't matter to Hillary one whit, that government spending is growing at five times or ten times the rate the economy is growing. And when you lay down the government spending line and the and the GDP line, you 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 end up in an economic holocaust. Okay, so when you lay that chart out there and you say, okay, guys, we have 19 trillion dollars in debt. We got to grow this economy. We need more jobs. We need seven percent growth. We can't keep spending this money. We got to go back to spending 18 percent, 19 percent of GDP, not 23, 24, 25 percent of GDP. Where's the money coming from? You want to take it out of the military? What do you want to do, guys? That's what he's going to say. And then he's going to say, and if you don't think cutting the Department of Education is right, then what do you want to cut? But don't tell me nothing. That's what he's going to say. And he's going to try to build a consensus. You know, will he end up making some compromises? I'm sure he will. I'll tell you the guy's style. The guy's style is he starts out at a very tough position, and then he moves, but only incrementally. That's that's his style, and you know I think it's going to work, but we'll see. How does it translate? Just one quick question more more on that one. So, how does it translate? You know, locally here, say to New York City, for example, because we live and work and, and earn our livings here in New York City. So, what type of um, what type of environment, so to speak, would would we be living in under a Trump presidency with that particular style of his? I mean, does that affect us locally in, in real estate and in, in just our local economy? I mean, do we see faster changes than anybody else? Well, I, I think the largest single change, if, if, if he starts to cut, really cut government spending, and he proposes a budget at 18 or 19 percent of GDP instead of, you know, 23 to 25 percent of GDP, um, and he starts making smarter trade deals, um, I think that is going to be helpful to New York City because that's going to make the dollar over the long term stronger against foreign currencies because the United States is going to do well and it's going to um, promote uh, continuing foreign investment in New York City. In addition, in New York City, real estate, both commercial and residential. In addition, because New York City is the financial capital of the world, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a robust economy 
will certainly mean a a uh, a, a robust financial sector. Now, uh, I, I don't think he's going to subsidize the financial sector the way Hillary will, but I think that in general, um, a surging economic growth uh, will have a material beneficial effect on New York City. All right, let's talk about the issue of gun control. And gun control, you know, regardless of whether it's a Trump conversation or anything, it's always a very passionate subject and a hotbed. But Trump pledged to veto any new gun control measure. But back in a book he wrote in 2000, he expressed support for banning assault weapons. Now he says that bans on guns and magazines for ammo are a total failure. What is his position really on this issue of gun control? Uh, I, I think his position, first of all, uh, 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 that writing was, uh, I guess, uh, 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. I think people are allowed to evolve a bit. Um, I don't think people should be ashamed of it. I, I know my positions have not been static over the last 30 years. Um, I, I think uh, uh, Trump sees um, these shootings, uh, in, by, by which I mean um, um, shootings uh, in the United States, and realizes the practicality that, well, I don't know, I don't have these statistics off the top of my head, but there's, uh, there's tens of millions, maybe more than 100 million guns floating around the United States, um, where the idea of, of using gun control to stop these crimes is just not a practical idea. And if anything, and I've heard Trump say this, and this is the kind of thing that's branded as extremism, but I don't think it's an extreme position, is, you know what, <laughs> look at it the other way. If people were law-abiding citizens were carrying a permitted legal handgun, uh, if one person in school that got uh, attacked by uh, uh, an insane gunman, uh, maybe uh, that person would get shot by a law-abiding citizen, uh, and uh, the... Um, and the attack would be over before hundreds were killed. So I think that uh, his position is um, is that gun control is is a failure to um, to to stop this uh, sort of thing. Um, climate change, he says, and I quote: "You want to have clean air. You want to have clean water. That's very important to him." And I've won many to him, and he's won many environmental awards. But he says he is not a believer in climate change. I, I think I'm a little unclear as to what his position is on climate change. I mean, again, a very passionate subject and a very hotbed uh, of discussion whenever it comes up. What is Trump's position on climate change? Uh, I think his position is that there has to be there have to be laws that stop polluters, factories that are belching out smoke and have no, but there's, there's no, there's no, uh, market force, right? Because if you go out and you buy a product, Vince, uh, that, uh, was made in a factory that polluted the air, you have no way of knowing that. Right. And so, uh, the only thing that them, that factory putting scrubbers on its product do is increase its cost. Um, so, I, I, in other words, I don't think you have to be uh, a believer in climate change to to agree that there should be laws stopping pollution. Okay, but the question is, 
you know, what do you, in terms of climate change, is do you break the back of the, of the global economy in order to, you know, for example, basically make every car in the world electric if there's no evidence of, uh, of global warming, which has now become climate change? So I, I don't know if that made sense to you, Vince, but I, I, I see there being room for, uh, I don't believe in climate change, but I don't want uh, 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 dirty factories, dirty coal-burning power plants, um, et cetera. But, you know, but, 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 I, I, but I also don't want to, as I said, break the economy uh, uh, for some fictional uh, uh, benefit of, uh, of uh, stopping global warming when it's not happening. All right, we, we have to take a break on that one. We will be back in a few seconds. Good morning, New York. We'll continue. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We are back with Jason Meister and Stephen Meister. Let's talk immigration. Trump has called for sending undocumented immigrants immigrants back to their home countries and requiring them to apply for legal status. He said that Muslims should be temporarily barred from entering the country. He says, and I quote, I will build a great, great wall on the southern border and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. You know, the latest controversy with that is the former president of Mexico says he will not pay for the wall and used the F word in describing that. So he says he's going to make Mexico and and their leaders pay for it. How does he get this wall built? And 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 he says, and I kind of laughed when he said this the last time. You know, the more controversial this becomes, the higher the wall becomes. Right. Right. That's, so that's Trump. That's Trump. So, so how do we do this? So Vince, let, first of all, let's just talk about the, this immigration uh, policy issue. Uh, Trump has galvanized his 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 support through this issue. It's a it's a huge issue right now in this country. I understand that we live, you know, in New York City and we're sort of we're a little bit removed from uh the border or the borders uh uh to the to the south and but it's a it's a huge issue that he's tapped into and you know it's most the most fundamental way of looking at it is 
Donald Trump is a real estate developer, right? And in real estate, what, what do we have property, right? We have real estate property. We have property lines, right? Mm-hmm. If he's looking at it almost from a real estate perspective, we have a country. Absolutely. It has borders, right? And it's just like a home or, or a condo in New York City. You don't just open your front door and leave it open at, in the middle of the night with your baby sleeping uh, you know, two, you know, 10 feet from your, your bedroom. You, you shut your door and you have three locks, okay? Donald Trump is saying, simply, let them come legally. He's, he doesn't want illegal immigrants coming to this country. And legal immigrants, some of have been very big supporters of Donald Trump because they've come here legally and it's a hard, arduous pro- process. And they don't want people coming in illegally as well, taking their jobs. So I think this issue is huge for Trump. No other candidate in this election cycle has come anywhere close to being as strong uh, on immigration and He's right when he says – people laugh and they say this wall is ridiculous and how is it going to get built and how is it going to get paid for. I mean he – and he, bring, he keeps bringing back, which I love, the Great Wall of China, okay? I mean it's, it's, we can do this. We have the technology. I mean it's, we're in 2016. We can build a wall. We can have a great door and we can, and we can protect our borders just like we protect our homes and protect our apartments. So, Stephen, if you want to jump in. No, I mean, I, 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 exactly. It, it, this is, uh, it's not a question about being polite or politically correct. We, we, who cares if we offend people by building a wall? We have a right to control who comes through our borders, okay? We have an inherent right and responsibility to do that. that, that we, we, have, we have no wall and we have no one on these borders, and in fact, you know, if you really think about it, okay, what I think is at issue here, let's go back to the question about the Republican establishment and extremism. The Democrats are looking to basically cause the infiltration of the voter base, okay, with, I mean, obviously the, 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 the illegal immigrants, once they become legal, are, are going to vote Democrat. And frankly, the Republican establishment is, is more concerned about uh, 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 their maids and, and, and other workers. I mean, so, so, uh, so here Trump comes along and says, I want to build a wall, and I want people coming in legally. Now, how can you really argue with that if you just take a break from the rhetoric? What possible objection there could there be to stopping people from coming in the country illegally? Okay, there really can't be a rational objection to that. Is are there logistical problems with deporting ten or eleven million people? Yes. Does that mean we give up? That's like saying, you know, we can't possibly incarcerate all the murderers, so let's stop prosecuting murder. You don't say that, Stephen. Really, that, that, that's really two different issues. I mean, you know, sending back eleven thousand or eleven million, 11 you know. Million. Uh, immigrants, that, that's one task, and building a wall is another. So I think you're right, Stephen. I think well, we, are, we should protect our borders, and if it's a wall or whatever it is, that's okay. Right, and deporting, and deporting the 11 million, Vince, <clears throat> I think that Trump is going to rely heavily on the employers of this country to find out who, you know, to, to identify who's illegal and who's not illegal, mm-hmm. and those are the laws. So, right, anyway. right. Put, put penalties on people who don't report. Exactly. Right. Right. So right. It's the same way. How do how 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 does the government collect uh, taxes from workers? Because because employers like myself are liable if we don't withhold. Exactly. Right. 
So use so, the same system. Let's move on to health care. Though he once favored a single-payer program, Mr. Trump now says private plans are uh, the way to go. He has called for opening competition to let people shop for insurance across state lines and has promised to make deals with hospitals to provide uh, health care to the poor. How can he reverse Obamacare, and can he get this done? I'm going to jump in real quick, and then Stephen can do a follow-up. I think this comes back again to a candidate who is running on his own dollar and is not owned by lobbyists that are that are owned by insurance companies, and he wants competition, and, and the free market needs to work, and it isn't working right now properly because you have – a government that's been run by lobbyists and they're controlling the markets. And Trump is going to significantly change that. And it's, it's rattling the establishment because they're, uh, they're lobbyist puppets. And so I think that he's going to create competition amongst insurance companies. And I think we, we, we have to, we definitely have to get rid of Obamacare. It's become way too expensive and it's, it's a, it's a detriment to the country. All right, we have one last topic. I wanted to just get to this last topic. Senator Cruz said on Sunday that the media is sitting on explosive negative information about Donald Trump with plans to run it later in the year to tear the candidate apart. Very interesting story. Cruz said the media has given the frontrunner hundreds of millions of dollars of free advertising. Every press conference Trump has is shown on every television station around the world. He said nothing, noting that the media helped create this phenomenon. All of the attacks on Donald that the media is not talking about will come later in the year. Cruz called out the media saying one of the reasons they want Trump to be uh, the eventual nominee is because they know he can't beat Democratic presidential frontrunner Hillary Clinton. They go on to say that Hillary would wallop him in the general election. What are your thoughts on the media building up, if Cruz is correct, building up Trump to the point where they're going to knock him down? when it gets to July, August, September of this year, when it's time for the two candidates uh, to run but, for president? Look, I, think I, don't, I don't buy it for a, for a New York second, okay? Look, these, these, the media hate the man, okay? And at this point, he, he's a shoe-in for the nomination, okay? If they had the goods on him or they had something that could dethrone him, they would have played the card already. This is just Cruz's desperation. Now, maybe embedded in this is this nonsense where the New York Times, uh, you know, held an interview with their editorial board and large parts of it were off the record and then released it. But I think that's blown over. I don't think there's any, anything in there other than perhaps some admissions that, as we were discussing before, there are logistical problems with supporting 10 or 11 million people. But, you know, that's not a sudden reversal of his immigration position. So I, I don't think there's any magic bullet that the media have that is going to dethrone or derail Trump. Now, as to your second point, uh, I, I want to make a, a, an important point that I think gets lost a lot. When you look at these general election polls, whatever they may say, you know, Hillary's up by two points. Trump is up by two points. They don't matter. And here's why they don't matter. Because the general election is not a popular vote. It's about, as we've been discussing, when you were discussing Super Tuesday events, it's about the delegates. Okay? So it's pretty well irrelevant what a nationwide poll says. There's, and almost all the states are preordained. There's Correct. really only seven swing states, okay? 
And so the question is, who's going to win those seven swing states? And, and if you go through that, we can't do it in, 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 a, in a minute, I think Trump really presents the best chance for the Republican Party to take those swing states and to beat Hillary. I'm going to jump in. on I'm going to mercilessly on the emails and, and, and you know, on and, 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 and there's Jay. one last thing that I want to say is that the, the playbook, the, 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 the Hillary Clinton does not have Trump's playbook. She has uh, Cruz's playbook and she has Marco Rubio's playbook and she has Kasich's playbook and she has every single politician's playbook. Donald Trump has run a campaign that no one understands and he's shocking the system and Hillary Clinton has no shot at beating Donald Trump in the general election. In my opinion, he's going to take New York, which is going to be the first time in a long time. He's going to take New Jersey potentially. He's going to take states that Republicans don't normally take and Hillary Clinton does not have Donald Trump's playbook and that's what I'm going to say. All right, guys, we have to end on that note. Always fascinating to have Stephen Meister, Jason Meister here to talk politics. That's Good Morning New York for this week. Thanks for joining us. You can catch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.